I ain't scared. What kind of monster can just barrel into heartburn like that? Does it give you heartburn? I don't know. Uh, you know what my secret is, Jeff? I always, always have her. <laughs> um, oh, hey, man. that was that was a good thing you just said. acceptable banter that you've all come to expect here at the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast in Bellingham, Washington, Comics Place's premier podcast of the Pacific Northwest. Um, where every Tuesday we get a bunch of books, we sort them, count them, bring them home, read them, come back the next day, talk about them with customers, sell them, come up into this sacred place that we did all those sort of blood-based magic rituals around to ensure that um, this podcast would be successful and that all of our moms would listen to it. Um, <laughs> And uh, engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to uh, the books, our store, the comings and goings of our life. I am Jeff, and I am kind of bummed we never did a Mother's Day special episode, especially because I know all of our moms are out there listening right now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. I'm Django. I'm really glad my mom doesn't actually listen to this podcast. Your mom doesn't listen? No, she, she quit after that one episode. <laughs> the one episode that's no longer in the feed. Yeah, she dropped off. There was six days where you could get access to that very, very, very bad episode. And yeah, I'm sorry, everybody. Inappropriate bad. Not bad in terms of, like, that was where that podcast award juice was coming from. But <laughs> I'm Roman. Um, I'm also glad my mom doesn't listen. I think at some point she probably did, but then she just never brings it up in the hopes that I won't bring it up so we don't have to discuss it. I transcribe it and send it to her. <laughs> Do your moms not listen to this podcast? <laughs> They they have their own podcast about comics. That's true, <laughs> and they don't want they don't want to be too influenced by our opinions. Oh, I get yeah. it, I get it. Yeah. Well, that's because our moms are always so late getting their podcast out. <laughs> you know, like just get it. Out. Don't take three weeks to get the podcast out, moms. This week we're going to be talking about variety books that'll get spoiled for you if you don't stop. Read your books and come back, but do remember to come back. <laughs> um, this week we're going to be talking about Moon Knight one ninety six. Multiple Man, number one. The Man of Steel, number five. Thor, number two. Detective Comics, 983. The Sentry, number one. And Venom, number three. And some other books in the Buckshot Rounds. But those are always a surprise to everybody. John Moon Knight, 196. Somebody else needs to start this conversation. You, I just noticed that this has cute little crescent moons on the cover between each creator's name. That is awesome. It is, and adorable. I, I love that. Written by Max Bemis and art by Paul Davidson, Matt Lopez on colors. So this takes place inside of this monster. I don't remember if we got an actual name for that monster. The, the, the Collective? The Collective. The Collective, um, the collective was this kind of cult leader psychologist who tricked all these people into do, performing a ritual that bonded them together in this shambling beast made of all of their consciousnesses. And uh, at the end of the last issue, he absorbed Moon Knight, and now Moon Knight and all of his different personalities are kind of exploring this guy's head brain and um, doing doing battles against 
uh, I, don't, I don't even know what those are called. Like the psychological constructs, really constructs. Yeah, yeah, and, and the in the middle there, basically this fleet of Moon Knights that Moon Knight has created um, or been in his you know, parallel uh, perceptions of his life because he's schizophrenic, he has all these personalities. Uh, there's the Moon Knights resolving the Oedipal complex or the Moon Knights crack down on the collective's angst quotient or Moon Knight versus false masculinity where he's convincing this man looking at all these hot guys in thongs to say, fine, Stephen Grant's look really good in a European swim bottom. Also, I'm kind of, I kind of like Thor. Or <laughs> the Moon Knights versus all suicidal and homicidal tendencies. So like, just like real meta, them battling... The phys- phys- physical embodiment of psychological con uh, constructs. Uh, I really like this issue. I loved this issue. I knew you were going to say that. Dude, I didn't read the last three. So I think that maybe <clears throat> some of my excitement for this issue is based on the fact that I didn't read the one right before this, which this is the second part of two. Um, and because of that, I made up a bit more. Yeah. So it was sort of like, oh, um, I texted Justin as soon as I finished reading this issue, which I only read because Roman was on my couch and he had brought it over to my house <laughs> while he was reading comics. And I was like, well, I'll read this one because I don't have it. Um, and it blew me away. The art, I think, is incredible and is so imaginative and fun. Like the artist clearly has a huge imagination because mm-hmm. there's all sorts of weird stuff happening in the background at any given time. Um, lots of colors, weird designs for characters. Okay, so a lot of this, almost all of this issue takes place in this guy's brainscape. Yeah. Right? And it's the kind of book that I would normally push pretty hard against right. when I'm reading it. But within his mindscape, they're not walking around on stupid Mobius strips or anything like that. <laughs> they have offices and hallways and kind of science fiction cities. Everything is very grounded except for the ideas. So like they're 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 doing all this weird stuff but in grounded places in in his imagination. And I really appreciated that. And when they finally defeat him, there's there's a caption that says the real world and it, it takes you out of the brain and into the real world. And I wish that more comics would do that when it's when, weird when you're stuff. when you're having an acid trip yeah. in in somebody's brain. Um, that that really helps me enjoy uh, a wacky story like that. Roman, I feel like this seems like a book that you would dig. Um, only halfway, Doug. Oh. Um, I like the beginning. It's, I mean, it fits because it's in the guy's head, but I thought the art was too busy. Mm. I liked, like, the thing you read about the uh, false masculinity. I liked that. The actual villain, protagonist, I guess is a more proper word, didn't care about him, didn't find him interesting, except on the one big page where he freaks out and loses his cool. Um, He's all purple? Yeah. That close-up in his dialogue there was great, but the rest of the time I was like, come on, let's just wrap this up. I'm tired of this guy. Let's get back to, like, uh, Moon Knight's personalities and their conflict and the so, rest of this is just silly. What I really, really liked in this issue <clears throat> is we basically get uh, Moon Knight and all of his personalities inside this infinite sort of collective unconscious um, that is basically one 
overwhelmed, out of control person that can't even maintain its own being because it's absorbed too many consciousness. So what Moon Knight starts doing is going in to try and all like fix all these very grand scheme problems, like mm-hmm. Oedipal complex, toxic masculinity, all these things that cause people to be um, fractured in different ways. And he battles them and sort of fixes all of them. And at the end of that, the guy is still just as bad off. And what I really liked about that is it, it felt to me like it was sort of saying who we are is is the summation of a, of a million battles sort of going on us at once. You can't just like, if you try to change behaviors in yourself, you can't just go in and sort of change things about yourself. There's not just problems that you can immediately fix. We are... We only exist the way that we are because there is a war being fought on a billion different fronts inside of ourselves when it comes to, like, subconscious ideas or what our instincts are or, you know, what inspires us or what we're fighting. So, I don't know. I I really loved this outside of the context of the Moon Knight thing or analyzing, you know, the series in any way. See, I love it more now hearing you describe that because, yeah, now it's clicking for me. Like, it didn't reading it, but hearing you say all that. Yeah, and the fact that Jake Lockley, the the Moon Knight's uh, rough-and-tumble bruiser character personality is the one that's like, let me just hit him in the face. Yeah. Because metaphorically, that's what you need sometimes. It's just right. you know, a smack in the face to pull out of all your analytical right. hoo-ha. So how did you guys read the end? Because on the last couple of panels, <clears throat> he turns into a bird skull. Konshu. Yeah, you- what, it, did he turn into Konshu... Was he all along? Was that uh, a, a bad guy? I interpreted it as that this guy has now absorbed the Moon Knight consciousness, and yeah. now he's sort of carrying around aspects of all of these people he's absorbed, and one of them is that, this. That's what yeah, I okay. thought, just because con- the actual Khonshu's final dialogue there about we made quite the impression. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he just... Okay, I like, I like that. Impressed better. all that onto his psyche. I don't know, I... I really, really dug it. I give this issue uh, a nine. And I can see what you're saying about the art, Roman, I, but I, I, I actually just loved the art. I thought it was so cartoony and, you know, clear. And, yeah, I don't know. Loved it. I'm going to give this an eight. Uh, I liked it a whole lot. I didn't, I didn't get as much juice out of it as you did, Jeff. I but juiced for hours on this. It was like Jack Lane. <laughs> I really liked the, uh, just the, the trick of putting me in, in somebody's crazy brain and still making me believe that there there's gravity in there and the art the art's awesome and the imagination is really cool and speaking of the art our buddy uh, Jason Burroughs is back next issue I'll give it a 7.5 I also like what is that virus that is just a a team of bad things that are repeating his name sentient virus yeah it seems like the ego to me because it's saying Maurice 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 Mm. so it's like they're battling the ego because the ego is a sort of parasitic fifth dimensional entity that attaches itself to all of us and prevents ourselves from functioning highly as the collective. Um, Jeff, you got to reel it back in. I love it. <laughs> so no, that's good. I love Great. it. So let's talk a little bit about Multiple Man Number 1 by Matt Rosenberg uh, with art by Andy McDonald, colors by Tamara Bonavillan. So this follows the... Okay, Jamie Madrox died, right? Mm-hmm. The Multiple yep. Man. Apparently. And at some point, he made... Uh, a multiple that lives in a vault and didn't know that he had died and is uh, not probably scheduled to live very long because his main self is dead. Yeah. And uh, 
man, he escapes from the X-Men and comes back all weird. And there's there's some time travel in there, and there's some dimensional craziness in there, and there's a there's there's Deadpool with Wolverine laser claws strapped to his arms, and um, yeah, I I thought this was a really cool book. I did too. I I was pretty excited about this book because we heard him talk about it like months ago at a convention thing, and. Um, uh, in the huge slate of books that Matt Rosenberg has coming out, this seemed like the one he was the most excited about. Um, and the cover's awesome. The cover's awesome. All <laughs> the covers so f- that have been solicited so far are really nice. I thought it was like a little needlessly confusing, um, mm-hmm. but I think that I think that kind of the point of this, and even when he was describing is it describing it as how almost comical time loops and multiple personalities can become in terms of yeah. like. W- What's the Deus Ex Machina of a Deus Ex Machina of a Deus Ex Machina? So, and in this case, it's uh, multiple man cloak from cloak and dagger <laughs> with as the Hulk multiple in man him. with the Hulk as <laughs> multiple man coming out of him. Yeah, that was my favorite scene. The Hulk the man. Oh, that was cool. good. Roman, do you know much about multiple man? <clears throat> I do. Um, oh, I bet you were first that Peter appearance David, was right? in a Fantastic Four annual of all places. Nothing to do with X Men. What did you say about Peter David? I was going to say you probably read that whole Peter David run. I did, and I love, that's my favorite version of Jamie Madrix anywhere, is Peter David's run when they, particularly when they went off and he formed a detective agency in like the mutant ghetto, wherever that was, with Rain and the former ex. I liked it. It was, it would have bothered me more that, because at first I was like, well, this isn't the Jamie Madrix I like, but that doesn't matter because it's a dupe. And each of the dupes has their own personality. I mean, they're all based on Jamie Madrix. And this one has pretty much all of his personality, right? Like I think so, yeah. Yeah, since he's apparently the original died, which we don't know how long this one's going to last. Because in the in the old continuity, yeah, what, if the original died, the rest would die off pretty quickly. So I, I guess I like the combination of the idea of duplicate versions of people and time-traveled versions of people. And I think the point of this is that we're supposed to get confused with who is from this time and yeah. who's from another time? Hi, Steve. <laughs> Multiplicity. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. I loved it when the <clears throat> dupes started showing up that were imitating other Marvel characters. Yeah. Like the, the cable warlock dupe. I mean, I don't even know how that works. Well, they're all, uh, they're all combinations, right? So you got yeah. Deadpool Wolverine, you got Cable Warlock. Um, Hulk, Cloak and Dagger? Or those no, just two guys? No, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's Bishop Cloak. Right? Oh, because he's got the M. he's got the M over That his... last panel looks okay, so much yeah. like Jim Chung art, it blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and even the Hulk one is, is another dupe, because he's wearing uh, a shirt with um, multiple man's insignia on it. Yeah, yeah. I like this book. I would, uh... I would read the next issue. In fact, I probably will. <laughs> I like this book also. Um, I'm going to give it uh, an 8. I'm pretty excited about where it's going, but it doesn't make sense, so it kind of reminds me of like the first issue of Miracle Man, Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, Matt Rosenberg has uh, done it again. I'm going to give this uh, an 8 also. I'll give, it a, I'll give it a 7. And I also wonder when, you guys can tell me, when did Magic go from wearing her like black bear midriff kind of kind of sexy costume to back to her original. I'm not sure why you think I track yeah, Magic's what was costume. That? <laughs> 
But I do want to talk about how every issue of Man of Steel starts with a, a circle. Oh. I like that. Grant Morrison style. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is by Brian, Brian Michael... Behound. Bemis? Behound. Be- Brian Michael Bemis. They also end with circles, too, and this one does the same. God, that's oh, yeah, a great did. motif. I and really like that. Drawn by it? Adam Hughes. Holy mean? shit. Drawn... Um, I don't know. I don't, oh. We don't for sure fully know yet. Okay. Um, and I hope that it actually means something in the story-wise, uh, but... I gotta be honest. Visual metaphors like that aren't exactly Bendis' strong suit. Uh-uh. What's whose name? Right, <laughs> Rogelzar. Dude, I've had like before we recorded this. I was up here on an anagram website looking for all the different word combinations of Rogelzar because like that is the dumbest name. <laughs> it has to. It, there has to be another reason that that name exists because it's dumb. I know what it means. What? Nineteen ninety-eight. Oh. That's what that name means. I hope that it doesn't mean anything to do with what happens with Batman and the wedding. You know what's crazy? At this moment, right now, Roman and I don't know what happens with Batman's wedding. Nope, we do not. Ro- or Django does know, because it's been spoiled. This podcast will more than likely go up tomorrow on Monday. And I'm still going to know. And you're still going to know, and a lot of other people will know. We're not going to know. We might be we, the only people we during this moment know. in time, for the rest of time, that don't know. We should not read it when it comes out on Tuesday, just so we still won't know. I have to read it. I might even just stay at UPS, crack the boxes open. Because <laughs> I don't well, that case, I want to go with you. I don't know if I'm going to be able to avoid spoilers any longer than tomorrow also. Adam Hughes did the art in Man of Steel number five. What? Adam Hughes and Jason Fabok. He's been doing those middle two pages of the, all oh, of them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, this this issue is my favorite art so far of this series. Was it your favorite overall issue of this? Was, hey, was it your favorite overall of the story of the series? I Last love, issue I love of overalls. Um, he does love overalls. I do. It, it's close. It's I think it's tied between this and was I think the second issue was my favorite one so far. The one Wasn't without it? the firefighter lady. I don't know. Maybe, let's say this is my favorite issue because I can't remember now what I liked about the other issues. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> favorite yep. issue. This one's <laughs> definitely my favorite um, because the art was far and away my favorite of all of them. Oh yeah, that <clears throat> that second. That two-page spread, second page, third page. Superman dragging awesome. him out. Rogel Zar. Adam Hughes does yeah, good stuff. Dragon Rogel Zar into space. The dragon. The dragon. Zar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we're just still getting more information about what's going on here. I guess the big thing in this issue is that we learned that the reason John and Lois don't seem to be around is probably that they're off touring around with Jor-El, who wants to take John back with him. Oh, this is a classic example of Bendis. You could have just given us that four-page sequence at any given point, but instead you've used two to four pages on five different issues to slowly tell us this one thing. And they don't, like, the flashbacks don't really seem to be triggered by anything. No. And I get, like, I'm of two minds about it. I, I think that it's needlessly drug out to be needlessly drug out, or... I do maybe kind of like the thinking that it's just constantly going on in the back of Clark's mind. The fact that his wife and son aren't around. He's replaying this situation that caused it. And maybe that's why he keeps coming back. In two to four page chunks. Yeah. In the middle of an action first, scene. Yeah, every first time. he only remembers right until Jor-El shows up. And then he realizes that it was Jor-El over and over again. Okay. All right. It's It seems a little bit a little bit tasteless. I, I grudgingly like this series. Um, I was pretty un- unimpressed with the first couple of issues i think maybe i really liked the first one and thought the second one was kind of boring um 
But on, on the whole, I'm digging this. I like the art in this a lot. Still plays second fiddle to that Kevin Maguire stuff from last issue for me. Yeah. I really like that. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, this one, um, definitely, definitely my favorite. Um, what do you guys think of the end of this where Superman has to dig to the center of the earth <laughs> to fight Rogel Czar and his um, gyroscope? I think that's kind of cool, except for why is there a gyroscope in the middle of the earth? Like, or uh -huh. why was there something like, I guess it was... Because Rogelzar put it there, because that's how he blew up Krypton. Oh, is it? Now he's going to blow up Earth that Do way. Do you think so? How did he get it in there? That did he build like... a ship in a bottle down there? That's my guess. Okay, I like that. He was, he was, well, we don't know yet. He was in the fortress. Maybe he got a shrinking ray out of the fortress and this isn't, it down. This isn't the first time that I've seen, like, at the core of, an, of a planet, like, something like this spinning, you know? Yeah. Even, what? like, most recently that Thor in a, you know, ult whatever, Ultron, Thanos, Infinity, when he was pushing that thing, which was like the, you know a forge at the heart of a star, Man, which did, is slightly did they do different. This in uh, in metal, maybe. I don't know. There was there was some Justice League thing where everybody, like Super or Martian Manhunter, couldn't communicate that far through the dirt, and everybody was going underground to try to stop things. I don't know. Um, but it, it seems just like a weird motif to revisit. Like there is some sort of <laughs> forge at the center of planets that. Yeah. Was, but if it's a bomb, maybe that makes more sense. It yeah, looks cool. I think it's some kind of bomb. I also love this scene when they're when Superman's recovering, all bare chested in bed there, mm -hmm. and the art when uh, Batman is is thinking out loud and figures out, and him and Superman arrive at the same conclusion at the same time, and just both of their facial expressions as they're both like, "Holy shit!" and Flash is like, "Wait, what? What happened?" Because he figured it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like I, the teasing that Batman gets lately. Yeah, in comics. I'm, I'm enjoying yeah, that. I agree, and I, I like Bendis' tone for it. And yeah. I liked Scott Snyder. Was it Scott Snyder's that sort of all of them teasing him? Yeah. 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 And I do love that digging. Because it was, which Superman movie was that? The first one? The second one? Christopher Reeve? That what? Where he digs into the earth? Because that's what I thought that was, was a homage to. Ooh, I don't remember. This particular all I remember page. about those old Superman movies was him flying backwards and him turning bad and flicking peanuts through the wall of a bar. Oh, wow, I remember yeah, that I scene. That was Superman yeah. 4. He was drunk. That was the best scene in that, that particular movie. Um, are we totally chill with Superman, like, flying into the moon and cracking the shit out of it? Sure. No. So Roman is fine with it, and Django, <laughs> the reasonable one here, says no. <laughs> not to lead the audience, but come on, Roman. That's well, I know, because, yeah, if he did that, it, it would devastate the Earth. Mark so. Wade's going to call Bendis and be like, get the fuck out of my old company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Marsha Banner should be concerned, because he should be like, you're, you're destroying the Earth. You're doing Rogel Czar's job for him. <sighs> What's it mean? What's it all mean? I'm going to give you... And eight, because Django, like you, I I do like it a lot. I, it's one of the first books I've read every week for the last five weeks. Yep. I don't know why, um, but it, it really it scratches an itch, and I'm glad that there's a weekly Superman. Like, it's crazy that I'm not sick of it, and it's weekly. I, I can't think of a weekly book that's come out that I've you know excitedly read each issue of. And we've only got one more issue, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. I, I like the art a lot. I like the story enough to keep reading it. Uh, I don't... It's not changing my life. Oh. I need more Batman teasing to change my life. And don't send people to the center of the earth. That's dumb. There's no air down there. I'm just saying respect the fortitude of the moon, man. That too. That too. I'll, gi I'll give it a... I guess I'll give it a seven because I do love the art in this issue. 
pretty much the rest, I'm like, nah. All right. I hate the villain still. <laughs> Awful villain. <laughs> Thor 2, Jason Aaron, Del Mundo. Del Mundo, yes. Um, and this is the whole issue is Del Mundo. There's no backup story Mike in this one. Del Mundo. No backup yeah. story. Hardly any backup ground in the whole thing. Well, Isn't that kind of what he's famous for? I happen yeah. to know. Yeah, no backgrounds. Um, oh, it just drives me nuts. There's no Christian Ward on this issue who did the backup on the first one, but he's doing full issue art starting, I think, with issue five or something. Oh, good, good. So it sounds like maybe they did both artists on that first issue, and they're going to let the first artist do an arc and then jump to the second one. Oh, okay. So I, I haven't read this because I, I just I really like looking at the pictures, like the art, but I don't like reading that art as storytelling, like you're saying. It's really hard for me to get a story out of those pictures. Uh, do you, even though it's Jason Aaron? Well, I haven't been reading it. I read the first half of the first issue, and I was just... I. It wasn't like I love Jason Aaron. He's one of my, you know, three or four favorite writers for sure. But it, it was just I don't know the the tone of it wasn't really something I I was interested in. And then this issue did a similar thing, which is like a giant flaming metal monster truck on the front. And I'm just like, oh, I don't care about that. So Roman, it is it is pretty goofy because I enjoy that. There's kind of this like redneck Mad Max thing mashed up with. Thor and the Asgardians are they're in um, they're in Niflheim specifically uh, I think the Helheim region which is basically you know Asgardian hell um, and they have to get this beast out of the out of this train and I was like wow this is so crazy and goofy and I'm trying to put aside the fact why do they have a monster truck why is there an earth style train traversing Niflheim. Well, usually they use horses and stuff. and But it was fun, but that was still in my head. Um, and they have to release... They have to fight Surtur's daughter, and Thor's still got Thori, the, the hellhound, with him. Thori's the big talking dog who's mm. very adorable in his murderous rages. And Athorable. He's Athorable, oh. yes. <laughs> Thanks, Brayden. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Brayden, chomping that flav. <laughs> <laughs> And there's, I don't know, there's fun stuff. Thor's using all these different hammers because he lost, because Jane Foster threw Mjolnir into the sun. He's got this cool hammer that splits in half and, like, he grabs both ends and slams them together and does all this cool stuff. Like Darth Maul? Oh, my God. Didn't even think of that, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's Darth Thor. Um, There's a dinosaur. Thori and the dinosaur have some interactions. It was fun. I'm still kind of like, yeah, let's get rid of the Mad Max t- t- stuff and back to typical mythological action. Does it feel like that's what they're heading towards? Like, is this kind Maybe. of a, a one-shot interlude with the Mad Max well, it's stuff? Been, or? Well, I guess it is just a one-shot because it showed up at the end of the last issue. But um, there's the usual stuff where they've trusted Loki for some reason, and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, we shouldn't trust Loki. It's hey, like, we're oh. idiots. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God, how many millennia <laughs> have you guys been? Ooh, and I won't spoil it, but I love this villain that shows up at the end. Um, I'll give this one an eight. Well, 7.5. Yeah. Based more on the art or more on the story? A combination. I don't I don't care right. for the art and the story. There's bits of it I really liked, bits of it I didn't. Um, Roman, do you want to check in with me quickly? Give it a score? I didn't read it. Oh. We, yeah, we didn't read it. I don't it. read oh. comics anymore. 
All right. That's not true. We all love and read a lot of Jingle comics. Don't say that. Right. Jingle fact, only reads Russian literature in the original Russian. And Venom. And I by that, Venom. he means War and Peace over and over again, and then he takes break for Venom. Venomiski um, Eddie Brockoff. Uh, spe- speaking of being excited about comics, this next week of comic books is one of the most exciting weeks of comics that have come yeah. out for me in months and months. Because um, we got the Return of the Man thing, right? Return of the Man thing, Batman's wedding, still hasn't been spoiled for me. Um, you got the new uh, Captain At America. At the end of that Batman wedding? Yeah. Death gonna, of the Inhumans. We're going to have some cake left over. Cosmic Ghost Rider. I'm making a cake for the wedding for Tuesday night. Jang is making a cake for the wedding for Wednesday day. Good grief. I have to I, borrow a suit, apparently, because my button-up shirt and pants won't cut it. <laughs> suit day. I, suit day. I'm not making nothing. I'll wear a suit, though. Pardon me. <laughs> that was funny, Roman. <laughs> Do you want to just take a second um, and just pop into the old detective corner with me? Sure. Um, Black Lightning. Exciting. Very exciting. I don't know that character very well, but we are, Django and I have been pretty big fans of Brian Hill's writing, who this is his first arc on this series. The art is by an artist that I know we all know and love and are familiar with the name of, um, and it's good to know those names. Miguel Mendonca? Yeah, Men, Mendonca. Mendonca. Um, I'm not familiar with that person at all. And well, Di- and Diana Egia? Egia? Pardon. But Brian Hill's been doing that Michael Cray Wildstorm tie-in series that Jango and I have been really liking lately, oh. and I was pretty curious to see how he's going to handle this, and he handled it about what I would have expected it. Um, pretty, pretty well. Perfectly acceptably. Um, there was What I actually liked about this issue is that I think you can kind of see the cracks in him as a developing writer. The scene where they were introducing Black Lightning fighting in the streets while also being a principal, interviewing somebody for a job, and then also, there was like three things happening at once, I feel like, and it was it was hard for me personally to deal with that because it happened over a span of like four pages, and if that had been done in like two pages, I feel like it would have been easier to know who was talking about which frames, but there was only really like one panel of him being a principal where all of the narration was actually happening from that conversation. I, they're just sort of things where you're like, oh, that's not super poorly done, but I bet you'll do better next time. Was just yeah. I, there was I liked that. Yeah, you could see you could see what he was going for, but it was it was just kind of. Now all I could see is this damn picture disc I had. Um, <laughs> um, you kids yeah. in your picture discs. <laughs> you're welcome, DC. <laughs> but yeah, it was awkwardly done. Um, a little too much of like, oh, look, he's a principal and he's a superhero and he's an urban avenger. Okay. Can we talk about Martian Manhunters? Temple gills? Yeah, why he has gills in his head now? <laughs> is that for funsies? Has that always been going on? No. Is he doing it just to show off? Like he can change his appearance, and this this John John's that we see is not his normal, like his his default appearance. Right? How do you guys think you pronounce his name? John Jones. How do you think, Roman? Jeff Johns. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's how it's spelled with the apostrophes in there and the Z's, but. The, 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 I thought the clever bit of it was always it's pronounced John Jones. I remember being like four, and my and dad being like, his, "It's yeah, it's they pronounce John Jones because there's a apostrophe." Yeah. I've like, done that before too, ridiculous. but his first one of his, not in story, but his first like detective identity was John Jones because he just took it from his real name and earth and earth earthized it. <laughs> earthized it. Earthized. Do you notice he also has? He has a little Batman uh, forearm 
uh, fins. Oh, gauntlet. Oh, nice. I don't know if that's just this issue because of Batman or what. Because he's teasing Bruce there. Um, I liked, I don't know, there there was a bit where he was having a conversation with Black Lightning. He showed up and the whole room was lit in red when he showed up. And at first that didn't seem to fit real well. But then there was one particular shot where um, the window was producing Mm. this light. And actually, um, after having like five or six different camera angles on it, I was like, oh, wow, that's particularly evocative if they had sort of opened with that, that panel. There's just really interesting aspects of, I think, some some younger creators doing some cool stuff um, while not perfectly. The villain is kind of that already tread thing, which is some guy is, or girl is trying to kill uh, the Robins and the people close to Batman because they make him weaker. And that happened at some point even during like Grant Morrison's run yeah, or maybe oh, again yeah. in like the Tomasi Gleason stuff of Batman and Robin. And that's not a very new concept but basically this is leading into batman and the outsiders right that's that'd be my guess yeah even the title from the outside part one and and yeah say i feel the same about the villain karma is his name or her name his name isn't it but yeah it's like oh come on we've seen this before um and who is oh it's cassandra kane she's back at the end almost gets killed i like that he's keeping her in here because she was such a big part of the previous yeah. one yeah, I'm glad she's in here. And actually, this villain, he looks too much like Black Spider. Or Nighthawk. At least or in Dark this. Hawk with that helmet. Oh, yeah, Dark Hawk, yeah, too. Okay. Oh, the next issue, Batman's Karma. Yeah, you're right. My favorite part of this issue is that page, the two pages with Batman and Jefferson Pierce, Black Lightning, talking in the, the room that's lit only by the red light from outside. There is a hero named Nighthawk and Dark Hawk. Yeah. Yeah. Both, that is both so, from Marvel. That's fucking terrible. There's also uh, Star-Lord and Starhawk. I'm more okay with also that. Both from Marvel. <clears throat> There's also Batman and Batmite and Man-Bat. Yeah, and man those are all Batman things. There's also Shadow and Shadow Man. Careful, yeah, those Roman. Are both from Batman, anyway. <laughs> um, I give this one uh, a 6.5, but um, a confident 6.5. I like this writer. I... And making concessions for their flaws and not judging them based on it. Um, so, yeah. I will also give it a 6.5. Notice okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, notice I'm doing points now. Fill up. Yeah, I found out the secret. I I spilled the beans. <laughs> yeah, actually, I didn't find out. I, <laughs> I accidentally told Roman that Phil didn't care if he gave points. Don't tell Phil that. <laughs> Roman broke down and drunkenly called Phil in the middle of the night, apologizing for uh, so adhering sorry, to some Phil, restrictive system that wasn't actually existent. You know what the best part is? No. I just set him up. Now he thinks Phil doesn't care. Wow! <laughs> Hachi Maji! Okay, so guys, let's say that the Jimmy TIV series of Detective was a 10. What do you give this then? I don't think the Jimmy TIV series was a 10. No, no, no. Okay. That's your baseline. That's okay. the best comic you've ever read. Okay. What do you give this? An eight point five. Okay. If if that if the last detective run was the best a comic can be, yeah. this was this is pretty gosh darn good. Not markedly worse than that. Um, and I'm just more interested in what this guy has to say than what Jimmy TIV had to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing now? Oh, well, we got to talk about the century because I know we're all excited about that. The Sentry, I just have to bring this up because at the beginning, um, he has his superhero counterpart, uh, you know, Sentry Pooch, Hooper, Watchdog. Who is this? Sorry. Oh, yeah. So Jeff Lemire and Kim Jacinto 
did the sentry, but there is this adorable corgi that gets murdered at the end. So, oh, don't tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, spoilers I know. and go home because they murdered a corgi, Marvel. Way to lose readers. And I forget, what are they? What, the dog has a great name. Watchdog. Watchdog. Thorg. And I like the fact, like a corgi, he doesn't... He, his, his... Thorgy. Oh. Thor needs a corgi oh. counterpart. Oh, my God. Oh yeah. my God. Well, he's got the hellhound. But I love the fact yeah, that he's also got a Watchdog, Watchdog, <laughs> he says, Ark, Ark. He doesn't bark. He doesn't roof. He's arc, 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 Hey, listen, arc. everybody. I'm tweeting Jason Aaron right now. Just hashtag Thorgy. I'm going to do it. <laughs> everybody know right now that this podcast is birthing something fantastic. Are, 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 you, are you just just that? Just that word. Are you going to hashtag it? Or are you going to say Thorgy, hashtag Thorgy, hashtag Thor, hashtag has a Corgi, hashtag you're welcome. Hashtag so at Jason Aaron Thorgy. You're welcome. <laughs> you gotta give him more than that. No, it's clearly like Thorgy. You're welcome. That's like that's gotta <laughs> does it look like Thorgy. Yeah, he should get I'll that. I'll put it in quotation. I, I marks. think we would get that. Alright. Unless he some for some reason hears it in his head is Thor G. Oh, what if he thinks it's a Thor orgy? He's a pervert. He's gonna know. He's gonna know you meant Thor orgy. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be my second. Whatever, guess. Jason Aaron, you've got my tweet now. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I just went on Twitter. That's <laughs> yeah, not yes. how you act if you're gonna avoid spoilers about the Batman wedding. Uh huh. Oh my God, yeah, that's a good uh-huh. thing you got out of that quickly. Yeah. So really. yeah, Superman damages the moon in Man of Steel five. And in this issue, Sentry destroys the moon. And probably tears somebody in half in it, because he tears, like, three people down yeah. the spinal cord in Isn't this. Isn't that how he died? It's how he murdered Ares in Siege. That's, and That's how Sentry do. Yeah, he just ri- rips people in half. Oh. This is a very Jeff Lemire book. This is like <laughs> Gideon Falls, but with a superhero instead of religious a horror. priest. It's just like, huh. this guy... Got this world, he's got to stick to this routine or else he's going to lose it and lose his mind and bad stuff will ruin a world or a black bar will ruin a world. Oh, but Doctor Strange set it up so that every day if I just go visit this fictional world, my subconscious schizophrenia stays in balance. Right? I got to read that. Okay. But I don't know. I mean, disagree. Yeah. Get in here. But no, like, no, no, that that sounds that's better than I could explain it. Yeah. Rub your nope all over him. The art is nicer <laughs> than I thought it would be because I I just don't really know why this book exists right now other than yeah, it's a good book, Jeff Lemire, like for Jeff Lemire to write. Yeah, I don't know why. When was the last time we saw a Sentry? That thing set up with Doctor Strange where he was just doing that, being safe in this kind of medicate using this. Mystically created world as medication. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen him since Siege, but I think that there was one thing that he showed up in that I can't remember. And, but I haven't read his original, like Paul Jenkins, Jay that original, stuff. So. That original was really cool, and I kind of wish they had just left it at that. Well, he's kind of universe-breakingly powerful, right? Yeah. Right. Like, he's a, he's a hard character to actually integrate into the Marvel yeah, Universe. Yeah, I mean, he's he's... I think he's technically more powerful than Superman. I don't think I've ever heard somebody say, I wish that there were more Sentry comics. No one has so ever said that. <laughs> to hear that this is pretty good, it really does look like Jeff Lemire, but instead of a sad kid walking through the snow, it's a it's a bummed out, super-powered dude The cereal. artist draws this dude with a sunken, long, depressed face, intentionally the same in every panel. He's like camera, oh, dead-on, wow. angry, sunken face. So the art is, <clears throat> is really nice. 
I, re- I like the, the use of halftones in the art, too. Yeah, and him and his, his sidekick, um, one of his sidekicks are, like, working in a diner, and they're both pretty depressed. Yeah, his, like, manifestations of his sidekicks are people that work with him, and, like, this girl that he has a crush on at a diner is his female, you know, sidekick, and then the guy who cooks burgers in the back with him is his male sidekick, and I don't know where the corgi that they fucking murder comes into play, but... You really think that Corgi's going to stay dead? No, I mean, it's a, it's a made-up world, so it seems like it resets every day. Lucky. Lucky for you, Marvel. And I don't know who the villain they show up at the end is, but um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I assumed it was the Void. Yeah, but they didn't reveal him. That's true. So I don't know like what his physical manifestation is. Did you say Boyd? Brandon Boyd. I think it was, it was pretty good... I don't know if I'll stick with it because I just don't really care about that character, but it does seem like a very Jeff Lemire book, and I like him a lot. I didn't read it. I give it an incomplete. It has to be reprocessed. Wait, no, I give me an incomplete. Oh, buddy, I wouldn't. Oh, I didn't read it. I think you're great. I'm incomplete. No. I I don't own all the Jeff Lemire yet. Everybody's at different spots of different journeys in a million different times at once. But Jeff Lemire touches them all, right? Jeff Lemire's a part of all of them. Because we're all a part of everything, Django. I like Jeff Lemire. Oh, I like you too, buddy. I like how they did the... You're Jeff Lemire. (laughs) No, I'm a narcissist. (laughs) I I like how they did the black right behind the number one there, representing the uh, the void. I'll give it a six. You're not going to give it an extra half a point for that black behind the number one that you just invented? Do you think that that means anything? What? It's inverted from the the rest of the issues this week. That's for the void. All of the other ones are white. You're right. Yeah. Wow, Roman. You should be a graphic designer. You should. Sweet, okay. Uh, You're going to have to learn computers. Give me a a pen and one of them computer thingies. Your first job is to fix these DC ads. Okay. So listen, before we get out of here, before we just, like, leave, I think it's it's really important that we all take a minute or two and by a minute or two, I mean one, they'll split the difference, a minute and a half. A minute and a half. And uh, buck some shots around here. Who wants to go first, Django, going first? Gajoosh. Was that a go? Uh, it was, but I'll start it over again because okay. it was pretty. It was pretty. Uh, it's pretty confusing. Here, let me let me cock it for you. You ready? Uh huh. Kajush. No, no, no. That's okay, I'll a, start it. I'll stop it and you start it over again. Okay. Kajush. Okay. Uh, Batman. <laughs> prelude to the wedding. Number five, part. Number one, part five. Harley Quinn versus the Joker. Uh, this was interesting because it had. Um, Definitely an older version of Harley Quinn who's captured the Joker and put him in a series of goofy traps, including like a silo full of teeth, which was really gross and awesome. And she has him in a big old vat, and she's filling the vat up with pudding. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, she, at, at some point, the Joker starts banging his head against the, the vat because he's frustrated, and she points out that she knows that he's testing the strength of the vat. And I thought that was really cool to have that interaction between the two of them where she's... She's kind of telling us that the Joker has more of a plan. I also read Killer B. Oh, wait. That was uh, Batman Prelude to the Wedding. Harley Quinn versus the Joker, part five, number one. Uh, this is number 20, Killer Be Killed. It's the last issue. I don't want to spoil much because everybody should be reading this. It's a very good wrap-up to the issue. There's a lot of really pretty snow in here. And somehow in this last issue, he's got a bunch of twists. I also read Bedtime Games, number one of four. This is just kind of a, a horror story. It felt a little bit like less intricately drawn 
uh, lock and key to me, where it's a bunch of kids hanging out, doing kids stuff, kind of shitty things, but also with a very, very specific horror vibe to it. And the last page is horrifying. That's Bedtime Games number one. Old Man Hawkeye number six was awesome. That's Old Man Hawkeye. Doing a bunch of kid stuff, you know, drinking prematurely and touching each other. Kind of. Like, they're, they're sneaking, trying to sneak in through this back door of the school and just... Just doing, doing like ruffian stuff. Doing a little porny ruffian stuff. Uh, I'm gonna give that Batman number one, Prelude to the Wedding, Part Five, Harley Quinn versus the Joker. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half, and I'm gonna deduct a half for that ridiculous title, title, <laughs> and the fact that that was just a five issue miniseries that they made out of five single issues, and that's bullshit. And you don't need to put number ones on all of them that way. No, uh, but Tim Seeley uh, did a good job, and uh, Basari. Somebody Basari did a nice, nice arts. Uh, Killer be killed. I'm gonna give that. Uh, I'm gonna give this last issue a nine. I'm gonna give the series as a whole a nine and a half. Can I shit. get you to rank my, your three favorite Brubaker series? Uh, man, in order. If if you can. <clears throat> I don't think I can. I can say that. Or just top three. Top three would be this Killer be killed, uh, Fatal. And probably criminal. I was gonna say sleeper or fade out. I would have been wrong. I haven't actually finished fade out. I read the first issue and, and had to wait because it's a bunch of dudes in the twenties who look the same, mm. and I didn't want to get confused with the names. Um, Fatal is amazing. Yeah, Fatal is really good, and I, I just love the hard boiledness of criminal. It's just straight up crime shit. I like eggs. Uh, is that a Cool Hand Luke reference? It is. We were talking about that today. Yeah. It has nothing to do with hard-boiled eggs. He eats 50 eggs. Yeah, and you said hard-boiled. Uh, bedtime Games, number four, <laughs> Nick Keller, Connor Nolan, Kelly Fitzpatrick. That's not a bad transition. Django just left that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad editing. I'm that was finished. just bad talking on my part. <laughs> uh, I give I give Bedtime Stories, or Bedtime Games... I'm going to give that a seven and a half, but I could see where this would maybe turn into like a... Like a nine for me. It's got it's got it's got a bleeding child in a costume. So yeah, like what else do you want? An old man hawkeye, uh not my favorite one of the series. I'm a little bit bummed that we kinda get a a secret origin of the Venom symbiote on the T Rex. I think that was unnecessary, but uh I'd I'd give that a seven. All right, I'm going to go next and use my extra seconds that you haven't calculated to get a jump on. Go! Um, Sex Criminals number 25. This is a con- complex, convoluted thing, but I sort of dropped out of Sex Criminals probably 10 or 12 issues ago because, for a lot of reasons. Um, they stopped coming out frequently. They were making a TV show out of it. And I just got really, really tired of how much sex is being sold in comics, but just everything. I hate that sex is so often like a, a funny selling point or just a thing we all have in common, so that can be the, the, the thing that gets a thing out there. Um, that's my own shortcoming and my judgment that stopped me from reading a book that I really, really liked. Um, so I jump back in here just for the fuck of it, and it's apparently oh, the last issue of like volume five or something, and it's just as good as I remember or hoped. Um, the two main characters had broken up for a long time and have finally gotten back together in this issue, and I just very coincidentally stumbled onto this issue being... I didn't like the dark aspects of it. I wanted these people to be together, and I didn't necessarily like a lot of the humor stuff. And, and, and you know, anyway, whatever. Um, 
This book is still really, really good, and there is a lot of heart in it, and it is not all just boner jokes, as good as boner jokes can be. And, uh, and yeah, it's... I'm really, really happy that it's good. And as I was reading it, the end of the letters pages said that they're starting their final arc, and that really, really bummed me out. Um, but this was a really, really good issue. And I hope that, uh, I don't know, I'm going to go back and read the ones that I, I hadn't read, and I'm just not going to talk about the second book in my book, Buckshot. <laughs> um, this is by Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction, and I give this one uh, a nine. I almost texted a couple pages to my girlfriend because they were so sweet and really, really good. And, yeah, it just reminded me that, um, you know, there's some sort of angry hipster in all of us and sometimes looking our own bullshit in the face uh, and overcoming some of that can allow us to engage in some good things. Or sometimes just having an ego and a personality stops us from engaging in good things, and that's a bummer too. So the final arc's coming up. Sounds like it, and that's a bummer to me. Yeah. Because this... I think the first issue of this came out, like, within a couple weeks of me starting at the comic shop. Really? And, and we're at, what, number 18, 25. 25? Yeah. So in five years, we've gotten 25 issues. And Holy that's crazy. Cow. It's, like, one of the first books that I remember Art was going to order none of, and I mm. pushed Art to order more of it, and we still sold out of it. Um, and it, to me, embodies, like... You know, it's one of the three or four books that I contribute to the beginning of the resurgence of image, like Manhattan uh -huh. Project, Saga, Sex Criminals, and, you know, some probably something else. But, uh, yeah, it'll, I'll be really sad if this book ends. And as annoying as Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky can be to me, uh, that's my own bullshit. And I they're, I think they're good boys, and they're doing good stuff. So, yeah, this is, this is great, and I want other people to read this series, and I'm sorry for not reading it lately. Rome, Roman. I was really looking forward to your Astro City talk fuck astro city all right i'm gonna go long <laughs> oh. i'm gonna i am i am because i do want to mention a thing and I, I, okay, it yeah, makes yeah. me really sad to not talk it? about Just this give, give it, i'll give up one of some uh, of my seconds kurt Busick and brett anderson and alex ross have collectively been putting out astro city for a very very long time and the final issue of it as a monthly comic came out this week and it's going to be coming out i think maybe yearly as an original graphic novel and this was really really good in the same way that Astro Cities is always good, but basically this is a character who I'm just meeting, but I haven't read the last couple issues, and he is somebody who runs support groups for people who have been affected by um, super entity combat in some way. And his relationship with it is that his wife of many, many years, in through some sort of life or like superhero crisis, she was erased from time. Whoa. So he has now lived an entire life without her, but he still has all of his memories of living with her. And he keeps leading these support groups for other people that are affected by it, but he feels like an outsider from that group because they're all like, well, you know, like this person died that I loved, and, and they're also opposing to him the question of like, well, like, couldn't she's not real in this life, so, you know, what is that loss like? And then one of the superheroes sort of shows up to him and says hey, we've been paying all of your bills because we think it's important that you run these support groups for people um, who've been affected by what we're doing. And he said, I, I can erase her memory from your brain if you want. And he says no, and he starts talking about that in the support groups, and they don't really believe him, but then that superhero shows up, and they believe him. But it, it's just like if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody that was really, really important, and you ended it or they ended it, 
um, and you've held on to those feelings and memories for a really long time, they become a part of you. And it's really amazing that in his final issue of Astro City, he was able to tie a really, he does what this series has always done so well, which is take a real life, just basic human emotion thing and somehow tie it into the way that superheroes can affect that. Mm -hmm. And it was really beautiful and really sad. And somebody calls him out in one of the support groups and like takes off. And he shows up the same, like the next day, kind of thinking that nobody's going to be there. And he keeps being like, why? Like, the superhero offered to let me forget it. Like, do I forget this or do I hold this memory of this person who's gone with me for no reason? Um, and the final issue, and the, his writing of this series is always sort of a meta statement about superhero comics to me as a whole. And like, why do we keep reading these superhero comics? And why, when you have the option to be negative or criticize or choose to be bored by the things that are coming out three months from now and your subscription list is going to get smaller, um, this person that talks to this, like, person going through a challenging situation, uh, one of the members going into this support group um, says, uh, I don't know, the guy's going in there and, and our protagonist says like, oh, you know, I didn't know you were interested in superheroes or something. And he says, oh yeah, who isn't? Man, there's always something going on in this town. Always. That's what gets me up in the morning. What's it going to be? Um, and then he ties it into a conversation about donuts. But our protagonist was depressed and questioning why he should wake up at all like what's what's his role here should he even get out of bed and this person responds like we live in a world of super things and superheroes and crazy shit and even if we're carrying along years and years of emotional baggage like the possibility for the fantastic still lives with us every single day and that enough that that's enough to sort of you know get us out of bed and it was damn good um and i'm sorry for taking two buckshots to talk about it but it was it it's a bummer that that's gone because it's been coming out forever um but I'm they sorry that chops. I shouted fuck Astro City. Did you say that? Yeah, can you edit it out? Yeah, I'll get that out of here. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it was really good. So I give Sex Criminals uh, a 9, and I give Astro City a 9. Both of them made me feel a lot. Wow. Well, yeah, that Astro City sounds amazing. <clears throat> you would really like it, Roman. Yeah. I kind of assumed that you would have read it, um, which is why I sort of uh, shov shoveled no, it No, I remember me. we talked about that, and I just completely forgot. Um, <clears throat> got to read that series. It's, it's, it's like Jeff Lemire good, but it's Kurt yeah. Busiek. It's... That's, that's the feeling I get from it, and and I haven't ever heard anybody say don't read Astro City. No, everybody just tells me over and over you have to read Astro City. It's that. it's stupid good. So Roman, my partner in this roller coaster, because you only get one to sit next to you, and you're just better at making <laughs> me feel calm. Um, Django always sits in the seat in front of me. In the I'm the hill coaster. you're about to go down. <laughs> yeah, you're all the people in front of me in the roller coaster. They're gonna make my spot go faster. <laughs> Uh, you've got 90 seconds all to your own unless you need to do exactly what you prompted me to do, which I, is take an extra I don't, minute to talk I don't think so. I don't even know if we'll need the 90 seconds. Oh, well, you got them now. Because I only got two books. The Prisoner number three, which I think I said this about the last issue. If you like the Prisoner TV series, you're a fan, you got to be reading this. This issue particularly is so – it's like a really, really, really good episode of The Prisoner. Um Number six wakes up. There's all this mind games going on. He doesn't know what's real, what's not real. There's lots of little cool details, how he jumps out of a window, and he's thinking, it's okay, I can do this. Not real, not real. He lands, breaks his ankle. He's like, okay, the pain, this is real. But then he goes into this other thing, and he's like, okay, this isn't real. There's all this weird crap going on, and he wakes up in a hospital at one point with these guys in wheelchairs. He thinks that's real, but then he's, there's telepathy going on with these other guys in wheelchairs who can't speak. <laughs> there's all just weirdness. There's rovers. There's, there's crazy stuff, a huge reveal at the end. 
BC and you's in there, like every classic episode. It's very cool. BC and you? Yeah, Bob Carter always says it, BC and you. It's, it's one of the ways they say goodbye to each other in the village. And it's also got, always with a hint of, it's ominous. It's kind of a threat in a way. Mm. I'll see you again real soon. Mm, but, but, it's, but it's a nice saying. And the Terrifics number five, this is actually the best issue of this series yet, I think. I was so glad to enjoy an issue of this. And a lot of it's, they're having individual conversations. Plastic Man, my favorite part, Plastic Man calls Angel, who is his girlfriend or maybe wife, hasn't talked to him in five years because he's been an egg for five years because of metal. And they start talking about apparently his 17-year-old kid. Oh, God. Holy shit. Bummer, man. I was totally engrossed in that. Yeah. Let's who, finish it up. Who I wonder if that's going to be, oh, what's his name? Um, the stretchy character from, was it Kingdom Come where he was first introduced? Oh, yeah. The Elongated Man's Son. Plastic yeah. Man's Son. Plastic Man's Son. Yeah, he has a white costume. No, that was what Elongated was? Man's Son, wasn't it? Oh. Well, anyway, oh. Plastic Man's <laughs> costume, he has a kid. Forget his name, but he has a white costume, which actually is kind of like one of these terrific costumes. Mm. And he's appeared in Titans. He's appeared in other stuff. But apparently, he exists. Plastic Man has a kid in this. Man, I was reading the dialogue for that phone conversation over your shoulder, just the beginning of it, and got totally engrossed in it. It, it so. was. It's good dialogue. Plastic Man's got this uh, side of him we haven't seen quite I mean, before. It's Jeff Lemire writing it. And there's other stuff going on. There's a battle. The Jeffs. Yeah. There's a battle at the end. Just there's metamorpho. He's a cloud of gas or something. But his face, the way it's drawn, it made me think I want to see a metamorpho series drawn by Mike Alred. Mm. That would be so much fun. Mm. Or a metamorpho movie played by uh, Uncle Fester. Or even yeah, that's good. Or metamorpho in that new Batman and the Outsiders book. That yeah, Detective is and there's going. great metamorpho. Well, this is what everybody wants out of this. It's what I want. Metamorpho makes himself into a cute little dog who's also got a cloud of green gas coming out of who knows where. I like the Metamorpho <laughs> is always surrounded by green fart gas. I like mm. that too. Plastic Man makes himself into a hot air balloon with a so, person in it. So what are your, what are your scores? Oh, for? scores. That's right. I'll give this Terrifics a seven. I'll give Prisoner a nine. Oh, I want to read it. Uh, all right. I got a couple things. While you were talking about that, mm -hmm. I realized that you are a Plastic Man fan. I am. That's not what I realized. <laughs> I realized that you're a Plastic Man fan, and I'm an Elongated Man fan. What the <laughs> fuck? I prefer Elongated Man to Plastic Man. Oh. And Actually, I can, I can see that. I can see why. He's a detective. Yeah. He's hard-boiled. His nose twitches <laughs> when he's on, on a case, and he's always had, like, puzzle issues written about him. So like mm, his yeah. his mini series in the late 90s early 2000s was all about a mystery he had to solve. Whenever he was in the Justice League written by Keith Giffen, uh, he had mysteries and people like he has a birthday thing where they set up a mystery for him. Oh, he has yeah. to solve it and most of the time he solves it and he's like, "Yeah, I knew it was a mystery the whole time. You guys do this for me every year." Duh. <laughs> um, but it just struck me that that you like Roman likes Silly, silly old plastic man, and I like crime, crime solving, mystery guy, elongated man. <laughs> I really like that. So, you guys, we gotta get home somehow, and I think the only boat that gonna that, that, that gonna get oh, us there about is the SS oh, Venom. Oh, Jeff. Oh. Oh, can I put my Braden hat on for a second? Yeah, the Simbi boat. <laughs> the SS 
The SS Venom, the Simbi boat. Simbi boat. Oh, I love it. Okay, so I think adorable. it's very, very good too, based on Roman's response. Oh, I, I guess it does look like a small boat in my head. Um, God, you're good, man. There is a big hole in this show in the form of Brayden, and it's only like thirty percent filled by our shitty puns. Because he's in Europe making making dead drops. Yeah, but he's just looking for he's looking for uh, Justin. He went to France last week. No sign of Justin. Which is weird. Justin. Yeah. So we heard he was on the lamb, and he's in uh, in the Europe. So that's where Brayden is looking for our guy Justin. 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 It's it is weird because Justin actually I don't know if he ever told you guys this, but there is a street, like an alleyway in Paris, that Justin has gone down and signed his name on every single brick. In the alleyway. What's crazy about that is not that I have any difficulty believing that because I do not. That's good. What is it's true? What is what is crazy is that that dude never spoke to me outside of the store. Like he never like all of this was sort of like customers would be so certain like Jeff and Justin are really good buddies, but like that was all a front. And he wouldn't respond to my texts, wouldn't respond to my calls, never got a hold of me, never hung out with him outside of the store. Yeah. I don't know what he gained from the whole thing, but... I'll tell you what it was. What it was it. He he doesn't actually speak English. He just learned to mimic English in the context of working at a comic book store. So when he left the shop, he didn't know how to actually have a conversation with people. He sounded a lot like me but wrong. <laughs> oh, gosh. I didn't mean that. That was a joke. Um, Justin, we miss you. Come wrong, home, buddy. Wrong like his voice was not you. Right. It sounded like somebody who didn't know English hearing my words and trying to say them back. Find up. But better. Symbiote. The devil. The devil. <laughs> Gosh, I miss him. I miss him like I miss my own blood. Um, Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman, Venom number three. They're still cruising along on this series. I, this weekend, read issues two and three because I had fallen behind. Oh, so you saw the first and second appearance of no. Godthumper or whatever this God character Thumper. is. <laughs> this ah, crazy. So basically, um, the symbiotes have been symbiotes have been around for a very 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 long time, and they can get infected uh, with humanity when they're removed from their sort of collective symbiote pool for long enough, and that's what's happened to our symbiote in the form of venom. And that symbiote god who was on this planet of the symbiotes, whose name is Noel, shows up at the end of this issue, and. I guess he showed up at the beginning he was a big dragon and then Miles Morales did his like super venom sting and it killed the symbiote. It's always been called venom sting. And I didn't know that he had that power. He does. Oh, I didn't? Oh, yeah. And it hasn't really been used against... Venom and he met up once early on in his series. I don't remember what happened. I don't think he killed Miles' mom and then Miles' mom came back after Secret Wars. But that's the only thing I can think of that would justify how angry Miles is at Venom when he shows up in this. I was this. wondering what Miles meant about you hurt my mom. Yeah. I mean, he says hurt. He didn't say killed, but so I, don't, I have no idea. Well, Miles wouldn't remember pre-Secret Wars, right? Because most of the superheroes No, don't. he's he's the one of like five oh. that was from the old world, made it onto the lifeboat from the Fantastic Four, and then unloaded on this world. See, I don't remember ever reading an Ultimate Spider-Man comic book. It's so good. So My that, memory's pretty good. I... I know it is. I actually never read an Ultimate Spider-Man book. Wow. It's very good. 
I believe you. So, Noel is fine. All of this is fine. Do you guys feel like this cheapens the Venom symbiote by making it, like, it's kind of turning it into, like, a coward or something, and it used to be a very scary thing. That's not even the part that bothers me. Like, Like, seeing Venom afraid of something is fine with me because he's kind of overconfident, blustery, bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that bothers me is sort of the retcon and there's a larger world that you never anticipated could be. Like, that That bothers me. We are supposed to know most of the stuff that has happened in the Marvel universes at this point. And, and when they go back and say, oh, by the way, in Vietnam, we were using these Venom symbiotes for soldiers, that's that's kind of bullshit. Yeah, I think the Vietnam connection is the most like bullshit aspect to me. I don't mind the idea that maybe there is like a planet of the symbiotes and this person was on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tying it specifically to a war and they were there and Nick Fury would have known about it, but Nick Fury has never brought it up or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, because S.H.I.E.L.D. was behind the whole thing. Um, and, yeah, good and for them being secretive. Yeah, and I don't think it said it was a, like a rogue element of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something. It was just S.H.I.E.L.D. So this is kind of... I really like Transformers when they're on Earth, and they're just kind of hanging out on Earth and interacting with humans, and the Autobots are trying to save them, and the Decepticons are dicks. I don't like the Unicron stuff in Transformers. I don't really care about their planet kind of in the same way that I like Venom as an isolated E.T. on Earth more than I like the idea of Venom coming from a planet of other, like, sticky oil assholes. I agree with everything you just said except for the Unicron rules. Jeff? Unicron can be appreciated in a total vacuum outside of the history of Cybertron. It just shows up in that movie, and it's Leonard Nimoy, or it's Orson Welles, I can't remember. It's Orson Welles. And it's awesome. I guess my problem is planets that are only inhabited by this fantastical thing. So I also don't like the idea of a planet of only predators. I don't like the idea of a planet of only aliens. Yeah. I like the idea that these things are... Maybe they're on that planet, but this seems like... The Venom things are the only thing on that planet. And it cheapens the it dominant thing on because that it's like a soldier amongst an army now as opposed to a yeah. special thing. Yeah, so he's yeah. not the big bad anymore. He's got a bigger batter. And, and I guess that that's what I mean is like it, I yeah. think it sort of, yeah, makes smaller the idea of Venom, yeah. this whole yeah. thing does. Yeah. And I think that's a big gamble that they took with this run because it's sort of the Wolverine thing. You know, as soon mm-hmm. as we give too much of the history of Wolverine, he becomes less awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's reductive. It takes away some of the mystery. That said, the art is awesome. And I still like it. I'm three issues <laughs> yeah. in. Like, I, I uh, as much as Jeff says I like Venom. Listen, I, that's I, not a Jeff thing. <laughs> you know, you uh, there is 80 fucking whatever number of podcasts this is. 88? <laughs> I think this is 88. There are okay. 88 like episodes of you <laughs> talking about how much you love Venom. You're right. Uh, I'm still surprised I made it to issue three of this, and I'm planning on reading issue because four. Because they don't usually have quality creators on a Venom book, Django. That's no. what you come in every day saying is that, man, my vo- boy my boy Venom can't catch a break. Well, but now, my boy Venom is everywhere. Yeah, he's, he's everywhere. He's in Old Man Hawkeye. He's in Venom. He's on Tom Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. He's... 
crawling up my leg right now. Oh, God, I can I, see I it. I do like how this Noel, is that his name? Yeah. The Venom, the god of the Venoms. I do like how it is humanoid form. He looks like Dracula. Yeah. He's even got the, it's the Venom spider symbol, but it's also kind of the Dracul symbol. And he looks like Demo Goblin from Maximum Carnage. Oh, yeah, I hadn't caught that. Yeah, and right. uh, And I guess my, my actual only legitimate complaint in this book is that this Knoll, god of the symbiotes, has is a black costume with a big red version of the Venom spider on it. But it's except a dragon. Instead of it being a ven like a spider abdomen, it's a little curly tail like a dragon. And like Venom's outfit is Venom's outfit because it was the evolution of Spider-Man's yeah. outfit, which had a spider on it. Yeah. So then Venom made this white one. What this implies is that no. That was the original Venom symbol mixed with yours. I'm like, you no, only did it because of the abdomen. Yeah, d yeah. Fuck you. Fuck that. You like Venom modified it to be a, a cool, angsty version of that costume. Don't imply that there's always been a big red dragon on their chest. The thing that uh, I'm, I'm surprised Roman didn't notice is that the little Venom bad guys, if if their heads didn't kind of pop off and and swing around. They just look like uh, evil ambush bugs mm. with the wrong colors. Yeah, the ears. The, yeah, they yeah, kind of do. Like, yeah, the stripes. I was thinking around. like they look like some kind of like demonic space spermazoas. <laughs> spermazoas. I knew it was going to be about sperm. It always is. It's always about sperm. I give it's it an always. eight. I, don't I give like it eight how, sperms. I also don't like how Eddie Brock is sympathetic. I thought he was a jerk. When did he become like mm. an okay guy? I think he's always been partially sympathetic. Um... Well, no, sorry, not always. I'd say always as going back to the origin in the cartoon show, which is second. Like post-McFarlane? Yeah, but like in the cartoon show, he was like a really angry, aggressive news reporter yeah. who lived in the shadow of Peter Parker. So he was way more aggressive than he should have been, but he lived in the shadow of this person, and he sort of sympathized with the fact that his life is shit. But, but he blames Peter. I don't know. Like He was never a good guy, but he was sympathetic because... I, I don't know. It, a lot of stuff necessarily like wasn't necessarily his fault. I give this a seven and a half. I don't know. I, I maybe not. I'm really not a fan of the expanded Venom history, but it's a really pretty book and it's compelling anyway. I I don't really care if this ruins Venom forever. Right. <laughs> like, I, I really don't. I, Django has a gold standard of Venom continuity inside him that can't ever be touched. My my love for Venom ended when Mark Bagley quit drawing Amazing Spider-Man. Like, there's, there's a big gap in there where I was pretty ambivalent. It was actually the middle of his stuff, like, before Maximum Carnage. So, like, shortly after Eric Larson was done, I kind of dropped off of thinking Venom was the coolest thing ever. And then you picked it up, like, eight or nine years ago again. Yeah. Well, yeah. Duh. Right. Duh. Duh. Django. Jeff. Duh. Roman? I do really like the spirals on, on the symbi symbiote's foreheads. I'll give it a... Six. But are you going to see the movie? My movie pass still works. Yeah, <laughs> I can see it for free. I don't kind of don't want to pay for the movie. I'll tell you, it, what. it doesn't look very good. I'll sneak you in. <gasps> okay, well I'll, I'll see you know it for free. It? Sure. Yeah. I'll put him under my coat. Oh God. I'm going to pretend that he's my baby, and they're not going to look under a pregnant man's trench nope, coat to see if there's not. actually a baby under there or a 36 year old man. Yeah, just raise a fuss. Or I'll see a movie ahead of time and just hang out there and sneak in another movie. You're admitting to a felony, Roman. That's not a felony. You're right. It's a misdemeanor. What are they going to do? Call ice on me? So, um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> for, <laughs> quick. 
Before we go, I want to I want to mention oh, that. Yes, um, actually, in this last week, I had two customers come in and mention that they listened to the podcast. Awesome, you guys rule. Cool. Thanks so much for listening to our wonderful show that we put on together as a group. I'd like to apologize for uh, most of this one. Oh God. <laughs> Um, but we had a wonderful uh, subscriber and podcast listener, Dino Chapman, who wrote a letter into Battle Cats, a podcast book from early on um, in its publication history. And uh, gosh, Dino, you're adorable, and we love you, and I'm going to read your letter on the air right now. Um, are you ready? Are you ready, Dino? And everybody else, Battle Cats, number five by Mad Cave. Hi, Mark and Mad Cave team. I just read Battle Cats 1 and 2, and they are perfection. <laughs> that was a pun, and it makes perfect sense for Dino if you know him. This fantasy world grabs you right from the start and doesn't let go. The team's banter shows the five of a history and sincerely care for each other. The mesmerizing art brings into their brings you into their world and gives you a front row seat to the detailed battle scenes. I loved how Kalira went immediately after the biggest badge she could find. Still early in the series, but so far she's my favorite. I addled Battle Cats. I added Battle Cats to my pull box at the comics place in Bellingham. We made it! <laughs> um, so I will definitely be getting the next three issues. Thanks for the great first two. Guys, we did it. We made it. We're in Mad Cave Productions lettered pages. Dino, you, I never thought that working here five years, you'd be the guy who finally gave me the key to the kingdom. I, I'm, I'm amazed. He pulled it off. Our name right there. Print. The Comics. Place, comma, in Bellingham, Bellingham Washington. Washington. Can I? Yeah. I don't. I don't mean to be an asshole. Mm. <laughs> but, right. Dino and I hang out a little bit. Oh, got rubbing it in. And uh, I gotta. I gotta say, Dino, I'm disappointed in in uh, the the first the se- the second sentence of your letter. Uh, you say this fantasy world grabs you right from the start and doesn't let go. I feel like you missed the chance to say it grabs you by the short-haired cat. <laughs> that was really, really bad. Yeah. That was <laughs> well, cut it out or something. That was your worst I bit. Just, I was trying to go for a balls joke, but with a short-haired cat. I, maybe it's dogs that have short hairs. I don't really he do. He did animals. a great pun on the first one. And listen, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> We're never gonna judge your letters. That's not what this is about. We're here to say, You're never "Holy judge shit!" Thank you for writing a letter into a comic book. Everyone should do that, even if you don't mention it. Uh, us, we're gonna read your shit on this podcast because hell yeah! And you get a free copy of it if you're and a subscriber. And we're gonna hang it on our wall of letters pages and yep. get get all of the books signed by the people. So please contribute to that. Um, do you know you're wonderful? We love you. Thanks for the shout out. Um, man, I've got big old. <laughs> <laughs> Got big old solid wooden ankles. You made me all excited about feeling famous for a second. Um, I was. (laughs) (laughs) Shit's falling apart. Um, Listen, we've had a lot of fun here today, but it's time to get serious. I. If you've enjoyed this podcast over the last 88, you farted. (laughs) You farter. You farter, guy. You farted while I was trying to get serious. Oh, sorry. Go ahead and get serious. I'll, uh, I'll hold it in. Um, <clears throat> listen, we've had a lot of fun here today. For these last 88 episodes, we've been having a great time and giving a lot of goods to you as well. We've been having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> but if you wouldn't mind getting on your podcast app and uh, giving us a rating or writing us a review, that would be awesome. Uh, we would really appreciate it. Um, that would be very, very good. 
Um, you could give us a call and leave us a voicemail. Our phone number is 1-619-663-7336. We would love to hear from you. I, I feel like... <sighs> no, I got nothing. You know what's crazy is my roommate Nick Waite, who does all of our music work, thank you Nick Waite, is in Spain for the next two months on a cooking internship. Oh. What? Maybe he'll find Justin. Oh. I haven't been paying attention. That's who... That's that Nick? Yeah, my roommate Nick. Holy crap. That you hang I've out with at my with house. That guy. I didn't know he did our music. And he's <laughs> in Spain on a cooking let internship. Him, let him figure this out on air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm Jeff. And Apparently I'm going to watch Phil. Roman turn, turn some cogs here. <laughs> I'm Django. <laughs> you were the I, one who had us start saying shit. Okay, fine. I'm Django and I love Venom. Are you happy now, yeah. Jeff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm Roman. I'm sorry. I'm still picking up. Hey, we'll see you next week. Thanks for the thing. Uh.